0: How does God do it? Number of different ways. Number of different ways God chastens His children. One's bodily affliction. I don't uh, have to go very far back in my memory. When I thought I was at the prime of my life and I knew, every, I knew everything and nobody could teach me anything, and God put me on my back. And I didn't like it. But before it was over, I was glad to say thank you, Lord, for this light affliction. More often than not, not always, but more often than not, brothers and sisters, our sickness is a result of our disobedience. The great... Puritan Thomas Watson said, a sickbed often teaches more than a sermon. There's a world of truth in that, if we'll listen. Look at Psalm 119, just in reference to what I'm saying here. The 119th Psalm. verse uh, 67 first. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, have I kept thy word? And notice how that thought is carried even deeper in verse 71. It is good for me That I have been afflicted. That I might learn thy statutes. And then he came to the conclusion, verse 75. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right and that thou in faithfulness hath afflicted me. My, if we can only reach that point in our lives, there's not
1: anything that could happen to us after that
0: that would destroy our faith or cause us to murmur or cause us to complain or cause us to seek out somebody that would, would, would you know, see it like we see it. No, sir. I say simply this to you this morning. When anything happens where our bodies are afflicted and we're sick, our first thought should be, have I disobeyed God? That's for the Christian. Not only is there bodily affliction that take place, but there are also afflictions of the soul. The wells of joy dry up when we murmur against the circumstances that God has put us in. When we seek our own way out, the dryness comes, the leanness of spirit comes when the soul is afflicted. And then there are financial reversals. See, I've been to all, through all these to a degree. I haven't learned all the lessons, and I expect, more of them down the road and tougher than the ones that came before. And I pray for God to give me grace, whatever happens. But financial reversals come. I testify God's been good. I got, I've gotten two promotions. One of, them, one of them I didn't even serve one day. They promoted me above what I was supposed to do the same day that they gave me that promotion and the prospect is there. I won't I won't get filthy rich, but I'll have I'll have more money coming in than I've had in my lifetime, I guess, at one time. And I praise God for it, but I'll tell you something, it could be cut off in a minute. I'm aware of that. I want to be wise in what I do with it. I don't want to run out and buy a new car and a bunch of other stuff. I want to get out from under the load I'm already under. You pray for me that God will give me wisdom to do that. But financial reversals almost always come when our hearts are set on material things and we want more than we need. Isn't that so? Not always, but most of the time. Covetousness, wanting more than we need. And God has to take away our toys. A covetous spirit will never be content. It never will be. And then there's another way that affliction comes to the child of God. And oh, how sad this is. When God has to send death. They died in the wilderness, folks. They never could get over it. They never could get it out of their system. And God let them drop like flies one after another. Why? I mean, we we would ask God, why is it this way? Why do you have to use the rod? Why? Isn't there an easier way? Ha ah, ha ha! That's the American spirit, isn't it? An easier way! Give me an easier way! Give me an easier way. No, there's not an easier way. In fact, this is the only way. Why? Why is it? The only way. Why? Why does God have to use a chastening rod? What's the benefit of it? You know that. Hebrews chapter 12. You know very well what he says here. Verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth, it. it proves the sonship. I tell you something else it does too. It produces true spirituality. For if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons, for what son is he whom the Father chasteth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Folks, listen to me real carefully this morning. I don't want you to misunderstand anything that I'm saying. This work of God in putting us in these circumstances produces sanctification. It preserves us. It keeps us. And it produces contentment. The Christian walk is uphill. I'm talking about in this life. I'm talking about every single day that we go out there and we face the enemy. Yes, God shuts the mouth of the enemies as He shut the mouths of the lion for Daniel. God does that. But it's an uphill fight. Never has been easy for the true believer of Jesus Christ. It's not a pleasant picnic. It's not a long, happy, gay, frivolous journey that we're on. I'm talking about in this life. I ask the question, why? Because that's the means of our perfection. That's what God uses to get the dross out of our lives. In suffering, we are perfected. Now listen to me. In terms of time, I'm talking about time. I'm not talking about eternity right now. I'm talking about time. In terms of time, where we are going is a whole
1: lot less important
0: than what we are becoming. Can you understand that? I I know we're, we're headed to Canaan. That's important. I'm talking about in terms of time. I'm talking about in terms of right now. It's a
1: whole lot more important what we are becoming
0: than where we're going at this point in our Christian life. Christian character is formed in the battle. When did Noah learn whether or not the ark would float Huh? When the floods came. When the storms came. And I, I declare unto you to, today that, that God is building us and molding us and making us in such a fashion that we can withstand the storms. But if the storms never came, how would we know that the work of God was going on in our lives without the storms? He's making us. That's His purpose. He's making us. He's not making things for us, He's making us. And there's a difference. He's not interested in providing us with play and toys to have on this, on this earth. He's interested in making us into a rare jewel fit for the kingdom of God. A worthy vessel has to be tested at sea. The Titanic, the unsinkable Titanic, nothing could happen to the Titanic. What happened to it? When it was put to sea to the ultimate test, it didn't make it very far, did it? What I'm trying to tell you is this, that God is trying to bring us from the, the position of the disciples who in the ship during the storm were fretting and worrying and crying out, but the Lord was down in the bottom of the ship Doing what? What was he doing? Sleeping. Sleeping. That's a picture of Christian contentment. A worthy vessel has to be tested at sea in the storm. So, instead of doing what comes naturally, and that's belly aching about the circumstances, we ought to begin to praise God for the storms. If this is the only way we can be perfected, if this is the only way we can be molded into the image of Jesus Christ, why
1: cannot we say, Hallelujah?
0: For the worst, if it's going to make of us the best. If he could sleep in the storm, my brothers, my sisters, we should be able to do so. You agree? Life in the Spirit is a life of struggle, constant struggle. It's part of those mysterious ways of God. I don't understand him, but that's his way. Our Father, we bow in your presence today. I acknowledge again before you and before these witnesses, I don't want anyone to think that I have attained that lofty and noble position of contentment in the face of anything and everything. I have not. I do want us to see, however, dear Father, that you're God, sovereign, omnipotent God, all powerful God, and that you rule and you reign over our circumstances and our situations. I want us to see that everything that happens happens for a reason and a purpose. Bring me to that place where I can rejoice in the middle of the battle and praise you even when the enemy comes in like a flood. Maybe then I'll see you raise up your standard. Bring us to the place where we can say with the psalmist, as he said, it's good that I was afflicted. You did right in afflicting me. Your perfect will. We praise your wonderful name. Thank you that you don't lift us up in a cloud and carry us all the way. We're learning to appreciate you more. We're learning to love you more. We're learning to bow our neck to your yoke more. And there are not many that want to do that in this day and age in this hour. Were it not for your grace, we wouldn't want to either. So we give you the glory and the praise and the honor. I pray for the youth today. You said in your word, you reminded them, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, or the years draw nigh. I pray they would never get to the place when they would say, I have no pleasure in the things of God. My desire is totally for each. If I ask God, deliver them from that kind of hold in their life, from that kind of power over their thinking, that they would even consider that Egypt compares to you and to your ways and to Canaan. I pray you'd remove the obstacles that that are in their minds and in their hearts that keep them from bowing to the yoke of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remind Him, O oh Father, that all the rejoicing that they do in the things of this world and in their youth will soon come to an end and they will stand before You in judgment without excuse <clears throat> and without hope. Would You this day manifest Your glory in our presence? Thank You for coming and visiting with us. Thank You for even speaking anything to us. Give us all ears to hear what we need to hear and a spirit that rejoices in it rather than rebels against it. We love you this day. Not even able to describe the love that we have for you. But we know it's because you first loved us. Gave yourself for us. We come to you in the name of that one who gave himself. Everything that He had, that we might have everlasting life. In the name of Your Son, Amen. Would you stand with me for a minute? We don't understand everything that God does, but we know this, God does it. And I want us to sing, we don't know it very well yet. But I want you to sing number one in the blue book. God moves in a mysterious way. Number one in the blue book. You do whatever God's told you to do this morning. You just obey Him in this hour.